Good evening. Good evening, everybody. We'll give it a couple minutes for uh, people to log on. If you don't mind, go ahead and share the video. Hey, Miss Quarantina. Hey, Chandra. Hope you guys are having a great evening. Oh, people jumping on fast today. We got seven already. Thanks, babe. Good evening, good evening. Thanks. Hey, Jamie, how are you? Hope everyone's evening is going well. What's up, uh, Tyrone? How are you today? Go ahead and tag your friends. They're at home anyway, probably. So, might as well get the word and have a good night. Hope your guys' Wednesday was great. Uh, I've been at home the last three days working full time and hanging with my kiddos, uh, age two, four, and six. And it's been interesting to say the least, uh, working full time and being a teacher and a daddy all at once. But uh, I, it's all good. <clears throat> it's all good. We'll give it a couple more minutes and then we'll get started tonight. Hey, Miss Jones. Let me pull it up on my. Make sure I can see it myself. Let me see here. Turn the volume down. All right, all right. Like the FLC group, uh, it's going. What's up, Pastor Logan? Hey man, I missed your thing. I got on at seven to watch and realized that it was at six. So next time, I'm gonna have to make sure I put it in my phone. Uh, and let me know, is it going from your church's page or your uh, personal page? Hey, Kathleen. All right, guys, we got about, I got about a minute and 30 seconds, and then we'll get started. I'll make sure that we respect your time. So we'll get started in about a minute and a half. Where are you guys listening from? Where are you guys? Church page at six. All right, Logan, I got it, man. Thank you. Where are you guys listening from? I see some of my Conway people. I see some of our Northwest Arkansas people.
can guys see and hear fine? I took turned the other light off because of the glare. Up yonder in Fayetteville. All right, Tamnisha. <laughs> Northwest Arkansas. Bentonville. Cool. Well, I have... Okay, we one minute over. All right, cool. Well, let's get started. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who came and died for us, God. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives on inside of us, empowering us, giving us the energy, both to do your will and your good pleasure, Father. We are grateful for all these things. And we declare that your word lives in our hearts, that our hearts are good ground, Father, that your word is planted and it brings forth great fruit. We thank you that our faith does not fail, Father, and because our faith does not fail, we see the manifestations, all the promises of the kingdom in our lives. We declare that we are vigorous and we are we are strong, Father. We do not doubt ourselves because we understand that the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us, giving us the ability to accomplish your will in this earth. And we thank you for these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know last week we, I said I was going to come back this week and continue uh, talking from last week, but um, we may pick up on that later. Uh, what I'm going to talk about today is contending um, for the word. Uh, Sunday, Pastor Sean uh, left me a message and just, and she was like, hey, there's some things that God has told you. And what God was telling me to tell you is that you haven't been contending for those things. And she's like, I don't know what that means per se, but that's what the Lord said. And I was like, okay, God, uh, what does that mean? So I'm going to share with you tonight what I've been realizing for myself about what it means to contend for the promises of God. Uh, if you saw my Facebook post, it said that a prophecy doesn't fulfill itself. Uh, and if you've been in church long enough, you've had somebody tell you something prophetic or something positive uh, about your life, whether that's you're going to be debt free, whether that's you're healed, whether that you're going to have a happy marriage, whatever it is, whatever that word was, that word itself doesn't fulfill itself. That there is a contention. There is something that you have to do. There is a fight that you have to participate in to, to access what that word says. Now, uh, are you saying that I got to do all these things, Ralph? No, I'm saying what we got to do is hear God. Uh, but with that comes obstacles. With that comes adversity. And what we have to do is not just take the word that you're debt free, not just take the word that you have a great marriage, not just take the word that you are healed and think that we are going to accomplish or that, that word will manifest itself simply because we chose to believe it. And you're like, well, that sounds contrary. Let me give you this example. All right. I believe the word about being uh, healthy. I believe that if you eat 2000 calories or less per day and exercise, that you can maintain a steady weight. That's what I believe. Uh, let me fix this real quick because it may be pausing. All right, cool. That's what I believe. And the fact that I believe that doesn't cause me to now lose weight. I believe it 
I believe that if I eat healthy every day and exercise, what'll happen? But it's not just me believing that does it. It's me contending for it. It's me going to the gym when I don't feel like it. It's me eating the right thing when I want to drink uh, sweet tea, but I'm drinking water anyway. Contending means that I vigorously fight to manifest what God has told me I can have. It is hearing God and obeying God. That's what contending means. And so many times we've taken this word to be simply, okay, you are debt free. You, you, you can have this. You're a millionaire. You're given to the kingdom. You'll do all these things, but then you don't want to fight to obtain the very thing that God told you to have. Somehow we have gotten to the point and I'm talking to myself, that, that you, you kind of believe that you're, you're on cruise control and you think that just because you go to church, just because you, you give your tithe, just because you give your offering, then all these things are just supposed to fall in your lap and you don't have to fight. You don't have to contend. You don't have to tighten your grip around the things that you need to in order to accomplish the will of God in your life. But it just doesn't come simply because somebody said it, it comes because you believe it, you act on it, even in the, the midst of adversity, when nothing looks like what the word of God says that you can have, you still contend, you still go after it, even when everybody else in your family says it doesn't take all that. And it's pretty amazing that most of the time, the people who say it doesn't take all that, they don't have it anyway. But if you actually trying to reconnect, all right, if you ask the people who are trying to get what you uh, have what you're trying to get, they understand it does take all that. The people who are telling you it don't take all that, look at them and say, most likely they don't got it anyway. Why? Because they haven't learned to continue and it's easier to quit than it is to push past those things that make you upset. It's easier to quit than push past those things that make you uncomfortable. It's easier to quit or to stay mediocre to push past good to get to great. Because a lot of us live a good life. I live a really good life. I like my life. But it ain't the life that God told me I can have. It's less than. God has bigger. And unless I choose to contend for that, I will live a life that's good when God was always calling me to great. So there has to be some contending to get to that. So let's, let's get started. Uh, let me kind of move this over because I'm looking at my computer screen. Prophecy doesn't fulfill itself. And I'm just going to go through the notes that I've been kind of working on for myself. And I, but I believe it'll bless you. God has orchestrated all things. He has set all things in motion and placed everything in its proper place to be discovered by you through revelation. So you got three things going. You got orchestration, you got revelation, and you got manifestation. God has orchestrated everything. That only All that means is that God has placed everything in its divine position for it to be there when you need it. God orchestrated all of this from the beginning. So there, say that there's nothing I need that's not already present. So it's all been orchestrated. It's already been designed for you to possess. So after orchestration, God has done that. There's revelation. There's a word, both written word and the word that you, you hear from God and from people across the pulpit, pastors, or, or just any person. I mean, you don't got to be a pastor to get somebody's word, but then you got revelation. Revelation is what, that's the will of God. That, that's what makes faith begin. 
And so when I get revelation, then now my faith can begin to act because faith begins where the will of God is known. So now that I know the will of God for my life, which is to owe no man nothing but to love him, which is that I'm healed and I'm blessed, that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the God will raise up, uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. When I know the will of God for my life, then comes manifestation. But the thing is, between revelation and manifestation, there's a gap. And in that gap between revelation, knowing the will of God, and manifestation, seeing the will of God, there's where that's the period where which we have to contend. I know what God said about my life concerning some things about money and giving. I know what God has said about my life. And so the question is, am I contending? Am I seeking God out all the time, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what my paycheck looks like, regardless of what uh, my savings look like? Am I contending with that? so that I may see it. Because a lot of people are going to observe the word. They're going to observe manifestation, but they'll never taste it. It ain't nothing like being thirsty and observing someone taking a drink of refreshing water, but all you're doing is seeing it, but you'll never taste it. And that's where so many Christians will find themselves if we don't and I'm talking to myself, if, if we don't get serious about contending for the word, for the promises of God to manifest in our lives. So orchestration, God's already done it. It's finished. Revelation, the word is present. It's alive. The Holy Spirit reveals it to you. The, the pastors reveal it to you. Uh, prophets reveal it to you. You read your Bible for yourself. It reveals itself to you. So there's a revelation, but the gap is revelation to manifestation. All right. So the time between revelation and manifestation is when we contend. We fight. That word contend means to, uh, let me look at my other notes. That word contend means to uh, engage in competition or campaign in order to win or achieve. It means to compete for something. And so I went up and kind of looked at the etymology of the word. That word is con, C-O-N means, you guys know, con means to be with, W-I-T-H, with. And that word tender uh, in the Latin, T-E-N-D-E-R-R-E, means to stretch or to strive. And so when you put all that together, pretty much it means to have the ability to fight vigorously and adapt to warfare without tearing or breaking in order to manifest God's will. I'll read that one more time. The ability to fight vigorously and engage and adapt to warfare without tearing or breaking in order to manifest God's will. In other words, you have been specifically engineered to stretch and expand to every obstacle, adversity that you may encounter without breaking in order to manifest the will of God. That's what contending looks like. Contending is going to stretch you outside of what you normally think is okay. It's going to expand you more than your mind, your earthly mind can even fathom because we don't understand the things of God through our earthly nature, but we understand the things of God through the Holy Spirit who causes the mind of Christ to be revealed to us. And so when we're contending, we're, we have the ability to engage in warfare without the concern of breaking 
and to be, to be able to manifest God's will. So when it comes down to the prophecy uh, of, of whatever, what I know is this, that when I engage, when I contend for that prophecy, when I do my part, I have the ability to manifest that thing because I've been engineered by God while I'm in Christ to expand and to be stretched in ways that I thought not possible in order to manifest the will of God for my life so that I won't be an observer uh, observer of the manifestation, but I will be a partaker of the manifestation. I don't want to see people being blessed, but I also want to be being blessed because being blessed isn't just about me. The thing that we'll talk, we won't get to it today, but why should you contend for the word? Because it's more than about you, all right? Contending for the word is far more than about you. Contending for the word strengthens you in God. Contending for the word threatens the enemy. And I love number four, contending for the word prepares the next generation. When I choose to contend for the word of God, what I do is I begin to sacrifice, to stretch. Because here, let me stop. Nothing free isn't free. Free isn't free. Free has always cost somebody something. Free really isn't free. Free has always cost somebody something. Cost somebody something. Salvation is free to me, but it costs Jesus his life. The food these schools are giving out during this time is free to the people who are receiving it. But grants and somebody paid for it. So free always costs somebody something. And so when I choose to contend for the promises of God, what I do is freely give to the next generation a baton, a new position to start from than I started at. So when I begin to contend for the word of God, when I contend for the manifestations of God in my life, what I do is I promote Aiden to a new place. It is free to him, but it costs me my contention. It costs me my sacrifice, the sacrifice of putting down the food, or it costs me the fact of investing. It costs me the fact of learning something new. It costs me the fact of, of putting down the opinions of other people so that I may pursue the thing that God has called me to have. And when I pursue that thing, it positions me in a new place so that Aiden, the next generation, starts freely from a higher place than I started, but it was free to him, but it cost me something. And that's what our grandparents did when they were in their prayer closets. They were praying for us. They were contending on our behalf. They were covering us. They were getting us to some place because they wanted us somewhere better. They were contending because contending is not just about you. It's about preparing the next generation as well. And so free stuff ain't all was never free. It always cost somebody something. So when you're thinking about contending, you got to understand that what we are doing when we pursue the word of God, what we are doing when we choose to obey in the midst of everything being crazy, when you choose to give right now, when it's like, why are you, you sowing more than you ever sow? Yes. Why? Because God told me to. That's what content, contending looks like obedience. Contending looks like prayer because it is in prayer where we spend time with God, not talking to God, but also hearing what God has to say about us, how to navigate the path to get where he has called us to do. God ain't this God who told you you can have it and won't give you the way to get there. 
But the problem is we don't spend enough time asking God the questions needed to find out how to navigate the path that has already been paved for us to get to the place that he has already seen us at. But we have to spend that time with God in order to to get there. Contending looks like spending time in prayer, even when you want to watch the TV show, even when everybody else in your circle is talking about going on vacation, but God said, use the money and sow it instead. Contending looks like not doing what's popular, but doing what's obedient to the word of God. So, all right, let's go. Um, so the time between revelation and manifestation is when we contend. We fight vigorously without tearing or breaking. We expand our capacity in order to manifest God's will. Oftentimes we find ourselves quitting because we, we are afraid of injury. If you've ever played a sport uh, and you're out there playing and you felt something and it didn't feel right, most likely, sometimes you paused or you did something to check on yourself to make sure you won't injure yourself. And so you pulled yourself from the game. And that's what a lot of us do. We're so afraid of injury that we pull ourselves right before victory. We pull ourselves right before the finish line because you're like, well, God said invest $10,000 in this particular stock. But if I invest $10,000 in this particular stock, the rules of stock exchange means that I should never sacrifice more than 20% of my portfolio on any one given stock. So God wants me to sacrifice, well not sacrifice, God wants me to give 80% of my portfolio in this one stock. But if I do that, I may injure myself or I may come out in a place where it's painful because I may not get what I think I should get. So I am I going to follow the rule of investing with the 20% or am I going to follow God? But that fear of injury, that fear of missing out, that fear of being in a worse place causes us to retract contending. Therefore, we live mediocre average lives because what God was trying to do with us is to get us to sow something to get us to a different place. Pastor Edwin said it this way, God asks us to do the hard things so that he can give us access to the impossible things. I messed that up. Let me go. I think I typed it in my notes because it didn't, it didn't sound like that. Oh, I got it right here. The Lord asks for what is hard to give you what's impossible. So, so you are so busy reading your books. God, praise God for re reading. You're so busy listening to the people in your circle. You're so busy looking at what your family did. You're so busy looking at your parents. You're so busy thinking about your kids that you are, you are, you are grieving the Holy Spirit because he is telling you to do X, but everything around you and the natural is telling you to do why, and that is the point where you have to contend, you have to press into the word till you convince yourself, till you trust God enough that you are willing to do what God says, even when everything else in the natural says you shouldn't. And that's the hard thing that we have to do to see the impossible. You got to press in to do that. Sometimes we just don't, we don't understand our maker and our design. We have to understand that we have been specifically engineered in Christ to endure whatever is thrown our way. I have been specifically in, 
uh, engineer. Pastor Edwin, I think when we were in Conway, Deer Street taught a message uh, uh, called, I think it was called Built Christ Tough or something like that. I remember we used the Chevy symbol as a logo, uh, as a uh, emblem for the uh, message. But you have been specifically engineered. There is nothing that you encounter that you can that you have not already overcome. There is nothing like COVID nineteen will not take us out. The word says that you have already overcome. So if fear enters your mind, it's because you're believing everything you see on the news and everything that you're reading more than you're believing the word of God. An easy way to stop that is stop looking at the news and stop reading all that and read the word of God. Because sometimes contending is practical. Put down the natural and pick up the spiritual. Put down, put down the things of this earth and pick up the word of God. It's that simple a lot of times. When we are not in Christ, engineering breaks down and we open ourselves up for failure. See, this is what we do. God says, hey, I want you to be a millionaire. Or let me, let's let start off something different. God says, hey, I want you to get that job. You make $40,000 a year. Here's a job that's called, it, it pays you $70,000 a year. The job is yours. And so you, God says, apply for the job. You apply for the job. God, they call you. Uh, God says, Hey, prepare for the uh, interview. You prepare for the interview and uh, you get to the interview and God says, answer this question this way. And you was like, but if I answer that way, God, they don't think I'm weird. They're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm X and you answer your own way. And then you don't get the job, but then you have the audacity to blame God because you didn't get the job. It wasn't that God caused you not to get the job. It was your, your uh, lack of obedience. It was your disobedience that caused you not to get it. But more so than that, the fact is you can't blame God for not coming through when you didn't listen to him. It's like, it's like Aiden saying, Hey daddy, uh, I'm blaming you cause I didn't pass my math test. Well, baby, uh, I told you to study. I sat down with you and studied. We went over everything. And then when you got in the class, instead of paying attention to the teacher, when she changed directions, you was over there playing in the corner. And so she said, write the answer this way. And you wrote the answer another way. And then you, you, you got the answer right, but you didn't do it the way the teacher wanted you to. So now you failed the test. But daddy, I studied. Well, good. But you got to always be listening. And so many times we get into situations and we, we pray once and expect that one thing to always to carry us through. And that's true. You don't change course until God tells you to do something different. But you should always be praying and hearing God on what he would have you to do in the midst of a situation, even though it's you hear God. Think about it. When Abraham went to sacrifice Isaac. If Abraham wasn't continually hearing the voice of God, we wouldn't be reading about Isaac right now. You know, all that all that would have been ended. Why? Because that little goat was still been in that bush. It was still been in the bush. Why? Because he would have killed his son because he wasn't hearing God. How many things have we aborted because we heard God say, go up the mountain, but we didn't keep listening while we were walking up the mountain. We weren't listening as we steadied the knife to sacrifice. And at that moment, he said, hey, stop. I got a ram in the bush. 
You got a ram in the bush, but you can't even hear God saying it because you're not on the same frequency. Contending means continually praying to make sure that I am hearing God. When we're contending for Christ, we cannot stop at discomfort and we can't quit because of pain. I can't tell you how, I don't always feel like fasting. I'm going to tell you the truth. Like, like it, it's not always something I want to do. It's not always anything anybody wants to do. But we're talking about content. We're talking about manifestation. You got to get to the point. I have to get to the point where I am so fed up observing that I move to the point that I'm partaking. And partaking looks different from observe. A lot of people are observing right now. And they're 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 giving their input. We need to always be listening. Yeah, a lot of people are, are are okay with observing. You know, if I never make it to the promised land, I'm okay. But I see it because seeing it is so much better than what my grandma did. She didn't get close to it. We gotta quit comparing ourselves to people and compare ourselves to the promise. Quit comparing ourselves to people and compare ourselves to the promise. What has God told you about your life? Not, yeah, it's good that you make twice as much as you used to make. It's good that you're the higher, highest earner in your family's history. It's good that you went to college. Praise God. You get a pat on the back for that. It's good that you opened the business and it and it's it's making $500,000 a year. It's good that you got an extra $125K disposable. That's all good. And you look so much better than most of the people around you. But you look so poor compared to where God called you to be. But we get so satisfied because we're always comparing ourselves to people instead of contending for the promise. When you compare yourself to the promise, you will never be satisfied. You will always be grateful, but you will never be satisfied because the promise is always expanding because God is always always giving us information a little bit at a time because we can't handle to see the full glory of who he has called us to be. So he let us have it a little bit at a time. And so, yeah, now you were making 20,000. You were making 40,000. You were making 50,000. Now you're at 80,000. Now you're broke six digits. And God said, yet bigger, yet bigger. Because at the end of the day, God, there's no end to God's ability to bless you. There's no end to God's ability to bless you. So you're thinking 250K while God is thinking 250 million. You're thinking a, a, a small house while God is thinking something bigger. You're thinking this while God is thinking bigger. And if we always compare ourselves, if, if our contending, if our fighting to be great, if our fighting to be awesome is only in comparison to our neighbor, then you better get some bigger neighbors. Because otherwise, we're going to always fall short from achieving the promise. We'll always observe, but we'll never partake. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of partaking. And, and I'm, I'm tired of partaking. I mean, I'm tired of observing. I'm going to partake in the promises that God has for me. You must press in and tighten your grip. Adversity is a sign you're moving in the right direction. Have you ever noticed how if you're just living life mediocre and you're just living your good life and you ain't bothering nobody, you ain't pressing in, you just going to church, you just chilling, you know, you, you living, right? 
You're doing all the right things. That a lot of times the enemy ain't really messed up about you. You know why he ain't messed up about you? Because those four things I told you, when we contend, what does it do? It strengthens you in God. It threatens the enemy and it prepares the next generation. God is, I mean, the enemy is not threatened by anybody who ain't trying to do nothing for God. He'll let you have your $100,000 job. He'll, he'll let you have your little marriage. He'll let you have your little kids because you really ain't doing anything to disrupt him because you're not living the life that God wants you to live, contending for the promises that he wants you to have. And if, if the enemy says, oh, he's going to be satisfied at $100,000, he's going to be satisfied with the three-bedroom house, he's going to be satisfied with this, then let me have it because I'd rather for him to be happy here they contend to be where I know God has called him to be. He would rather for you to chill and mediocre, mediocrity than be where God has called you to be. Because when you realize, when I realize, when we realize where we realize where God has called us to be, then we can't sit here and be okay with where we are, knowing that where we are is great, but God has called us to bigger. What God is doing is giving us an opportunity to conquer what is hard to access what's impossible. God gives us opportunities to conquer what is hard to access what is impossible. God gives us opportunities to conquer what is hard to give us access to what's impossible. When you think about these CEOs of Amazon and Facebook and these things like that, they conquered what was hard. They navigated pathways that human beings had never seen before. They did things that everybody thought was crazy. They invested their life, their time, their money, Everything they were, they invested in this hard thing. And now that they invested in this hard thing, we now, what seems free to us, cost them something, but now they're reaping great benefits. Why? Because they contended for the promise. It's like Jacob when he wrestled with God. I mean, when he wrestled, because Jacob said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. And that's the type of mentality that we have to have. We have to tighten down on the word of God. We have to tighten down on ourselves and say, you know what, Ralph, you're slipping. You're slipping. You're slipping back into average. Your thermostat, your thermostat is slowly going back to that average temperature. You're not pushing to where you need to go. And then you need people in your life that, that spot that in your life and say, hey, you need to do better. But so many times we are looking at other things in the earth saying, oh, we're well off when at the same, when at the time we're so far from what God has called us to be. We're so far from where God has called us to be, but it's okay because the Holy Spirit lives on inside of you. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability, the energy, the will, and the wisdom to accomplish God's will in this earth. It says you can have a real revelation of your destiny and not come to the point of manifestation if you don't understand the language of warfare. You can have a real revelation of your destiny and not come to the point of manifestation if you do not understand the language of warfare. What's the language of warfare? It's violence. It's violence. You have never seen a war won passively. 
And if you have, please comment so I, 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 I'll know. But I don't know any war that has been won by somebody being passive and giving hugs and giving high fives. No, things are taken by violence. And somehow when we got translated into this kingdom, we felt like violence was no longer needed. Now, I'm not talking about punching people in the face type violence. I'm talking about Matthew 11 and 12. Let's read it. From the time of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful people have been seizing it. Force is the difference in seeing fruit versus tasting it. Being forceful or contending is the difference in seeing the fruit and taste it, like the spies that went into the promised land, right? Uh, they went into the promised land, and, and, and uh, 12 of them, I believe, went in, and two came back with a good report. The other 10 didn't get to see it, but two got to taste it. Why? Because they took it by force. They understood what it was acquired to go and take what God had already given to them. Their obedience to say, you know what? I don't care what they look like. I don't care what kind of giants they are. I don't care anything about that. I know what my God has told me I can have. So I'm going in anyway. And that's what you got to do. Listen, I don't care what the economy does. I don't care what the stock market does. What I know about this year is this is our year of great harvest at Fellowship of Champions. And what I know is that I'm taken by force, that this is the year of jubilee. This is the year I am repaid for everything. This is the year that my debts are forgiven. This is the year that everything is repaid for me. This is the year that I sow seed and I reap a harvest. This is the year that this things happen on my behalf. Why? Because I choose to believe it and I contend for it. I wake up every day looking for the seed, the harvest off the seed that I'm sown. I look, wake up every day looking for opportunities to increase and to grow. I spend time listening to Holy Spirit on how I should live my life in a way that causes things to release in my life. I spend time asking and God spends time seeing. It is the year of great harvest. And even if you don't go to FOC, claim it by faith. This is my year of great harvest. I don't care about COVID-19. I don't care about the stock. You do realize in every depression, in every situation where the economy go into the tanks, somebody gets richer. Why can't that be you? If anybody going to get richer, it might as well be me. If anybody going to prosper, it might as well be me. Well, why me? Because God knows that if he puts money in my hand and he asks me to give it to somebody, then I am giving it because God refuses to do without a cheerful, prompt to do, quick giver. <laughs> it's okay, uh, LaDonna, your son hit the mad face. I saw it, but it's all right. But, but God's, God refuses to be without a quick quick prompt to do giver. So if anybody's going to grow in this economy, why can't it be you? I don't care if your job laid you off. Your job is not your source. I don't care if, if your, your check got cut off. Your check is not your source. Your, that is a resource. And we talked last week how a resource is simply a reflection of the source. And we can't get so caught up in resources in a reflection, in an image of the real thing that we put all of our faith in the resource and we forget about how that resource even came into existence is because the source made it there. So I keep my eyes to the hills in which I, come, which I know comes my help. I keep my eyes focused on God. 
So if anybody gonna prosper this year, it might as well be me. You should just type that. If anybody gonna come up this year, it might as well be me. Be me. This is my year of great harvest. I will prosper in my health. I will prosper in my relationships. I will prosper in my money. I will owe no man nothing but to love him. I thank you that I have more than enough to give him to every good work and charitable donation. I thank you that I'm I'm, I'm always giving. I'm always having that my barns, my 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 surplus. Uh, it burst. I have more than enough. And even right now, some of you are like, well, I don't know how that's going to happen. You don't got to know. Just say, Holy Spirit, how are we going to make it happen? How's this going to be done? Guide my feet one day at a time. You don't got to know what happens Saturday. Just know what happens around 9.06 on Wednesday. That's all you need to know. You need to know this moment. And so we've gotten so caught up in trying to know the full plan of God that we have hindered ourselves from knowing this moment of God. All I need to know is what I need to do at this moment. And if God said this moment, that means... and. That means, hey, stay at the house. When it, well, it got, they ain't shut my job down yet. Stay at the house. Well, what am I supposed to do? Stay at the house. Well, God, you don't understand. Stay at the house. He, he telling you what to do, and you still talking. And I love how God just simply, he, he doesn't yell, at least not to me. He's not yelling at me. He's not screaming. He's just saying, he's like his own repeat. Stay at the house. But, but, but God, stay at the house. But I, I need to stay at the house. I, I don't have the groceries. Stay at the house. And it's when we get to the point that we trust God more than we trust our own self. And we follow that word. That's when we're able to contend to manifest promises. All right, let's keep going. We've got a few more minutes. It says, every, I already talked about this. Everything has a price. Free always costs somebody something. The next generation will inherit what you contend for right now. Your next generation will inherit what you're contending for right now. It will be free to them, but it will cost you your life. And what better sacrifice as a parent is for me to live out all the glory of God for my life so that my kids may be elevated. They may inherit for themselves a free place in Christ, a place in this world that they had never experienced. And it won't cost them something, but I will put them in a new place. I will put them in a new place. So, now I'm learning just to chill for a second. Hold on. So, when Pastor Sean told that to me, and I, I was asking God, for me, the place that I have to go and I have to hang my hat is, the, is force. We have to be forceful. We're so I have been passive in things. We're so passive in, in pursuing God because sometimes we just don't think it takes all that. Sometimes it does take saying, you know what, I'm not going to watch TV for the next 30 days. And when every time I would watch a TV show, I'm going to read my word or I'm going to read a book about investing or I'm going to, to pray. Why? Because it does take all that. And that's what I really want. I hear the Holy Spirit telling telling me to tell you, it does take all that. If you want to inherit what God has for you, it takes all of that. 
All of that, all of that obedience, all of that fasting, all of that praying, all of that giving, all of that serving, all of that being quiet when you know you want to talk, all of that not watching TV, it takes all that in order to contend for the manifestation of premises. We want for free the greatest gift, one of the greatest things from God, which is the manifestation of his premises. We want to simply just leisurely walk into manifestation. We want to just leisurely just, you know what, I'm chilling like an Easter egg hunt and I just pick up the million dollars. I just pick up the, the Fortune 500 business. I just pick up the CEO position. I just pick that thing up. Just leisurely walking, just casually. But God is God has orchestrated. Remember I said three things. Orchestration, revelation, and manifestation. God has orchestrated it. He has revealed to you your destiny. Now you have to contend for it in order to manifest it. Manifest it. So it does take all that. Everything that God is asking you to do. Even those minor things that you don't think matter. Like wear the red shirt today instead of the blue one. Take this road to work instead of that road to work. Send this person a text message to say, hey, just thinking about you. Well, God, I don't like them. So you got to contend. Will you now do what your flesh wants to do? Will you now do what God says do? You got to contend. You have to fight vigorously. You have to be stretched past your emotions. You have to be expanded. <laughs> you have to be lifted above how you feel and simply obey the voice of God. Because a lot of times when you get us, I mean, and, and if you think about it, some of us have more money than we ever had in our lives. And sometimes you, you, you get comfortable, like, and I'll give you an example and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll say a prayer and we're closed. Uh, I told God when we got April's car, I said, God, I really don't like that. You know, I don't like that. And, um, and I believe that I'm debt free. And I was like, we can do this, God. But I like, I don't want to be paying on this car for, we got like a six year, uh, whatever you call it, lease or, or finance the car for six years, six or six, seven years or whatever. And I was like, Lord, I really want to pay this car. I, I believe you, I'll pay this car off in three years. And so uh, it was, last year was the third year we had it, November. And the Lord was just like, so you, what you going to do? You, you asked me to pay that car for three years. And I was like, I know God. And I was like, so you going to pay it off? I was like, well, yeah, you send me the money. I'll pay it off, God. And and so I, that was around probably January, I mean, no, June. And because uh, November's approaching, that was year three. And the Lord was like, hey, you going to pay that car off? And I was like, yeah, God, I'll pay it off. Send me the money. He was like, I sent you the money. Every every t If you think about it over the years, you haven't ever had to use your savings for anything that you didn't want to use it for. I've allowed, I have kept you safe. Take the money out the savings and pay the car off. And then I began to look at the savings like, well, God, if I take this money out of, out of my savings, then I'm not going to have that money in my savings. And what I have found myself was feeling really, really confident and having a nice nest egg over there and not wanting to pay the remaining balance of this car off. But God says it was your desire to pay this car off. I honored you. Do you not believe now that if you take the money out this bank that I will not see that you're taking care of, son? And I ain't gonna lie, I still didn't do it. 
Not not right off. <laughs> and, but then after so long, it just I was just sitting there. I was like, God, I'm sorry. I repent. I said, You have take you have taken well care, great care of me. I've seen over the last two years, have you honored us and you've, you've taken care of us and we haven't been hit by any storm or disaster and you've allowed us to save all of this money, God. God, I trust you. And so I wrote the check and I was so free. And then I was just looking at the account and guess what? It is right there at where God, where it would have been if I not paid it. Anyway, and God said, I told you I had you, but so many times we get comfortable with things that God has blessed us with so much so that we don't even trust God anymore. And so you have to check yourself with that and say, okay, God, you know what? My bad. I, I messed up on that. I trust you, God, enough to do what you have said me to do. And so now the car is paid for, the savings account is good, but if God asks me for it again, I just give it. Why? Because I've done it before, but then there's always levels to choking. We call it the choke level. There's always levels to choking. And at one point, giving $500 is choke level, you know? And so, but that's not choke level for me. Everybody has a choke level where you give enough money that it causes you to question whether you heard God or not. You heard God, that same God that said you'll be blessed, and that same God that's now telling you to sow that seed, he's the same God. you just choosing not to contend. But what he's trying to do is ask you for what is hard to give you access to what seems impossible. What seems impossible? Having complete debt freedom, but it's possible with God. Your seed is making way for your deliverance of debt. But if you're not, if you're so afraid to sow it, then a seed not sown can never produce the harvest. Now I'm talking, now I'm telling y'all what you need to do. I, I don't know who you are, but so you need to sow. You you've been you've been chilling. You've been you've been you've been just just living life, and you know God is asking you for a seed. And yes, it's gonna cost you something. And no, I ain't telling you where to sow it. You ask God where to sow it. But God has been asking you for something, and you think God is trying to set you up for failure. You're looking at the news. You're thinking about all those things, and whatever it is, whether it's ten dollars or ten thousand dollars, sow your seed so that you may have access to the impossible. Sow your seed. Forgive people. And so that's the word for tonight. Contend. And so we may come back next week and talk about those four things. Uh, it's, not for me, it's, more, it's not just for me, it's for you. It, strength, it strengthens you and God. It threatens the enemy and it prepares the next generation. So what I want to do at this time, I'm going to pray and then we'll, we will end. But but ask Holy Spirit what it is that he desires for you to sow. Because at this point in your life, a lot of times what you got anyway, it's not enough. It's, it's not enough to take care of all your needs. It's not enough to see you through anyway. So ask God, God, what do I need to sow? Because if you look, every time that people were willing to sow, God was always there to ensure that they had enough. The woman who sustained the prophet. She was about to make a, a, a her last piece of uh, jiffy cornbread, you know, and drink her a glass of water, and her and her son was about to die. 
But the man of God came through and said, hey, would you give me a piece of your cornbread first? And she like, hold up, man of God. Look, I, I just, I'm about to eat and die. This is me and my son's last piece of uh, jiffy right here. We about to eat and die. And, and he said, would you just break me off a piece of it first? And so she go in the kitchen and she, she add the egg and the oil to the jiffy. And, 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 and she come back. And she put that thing in the oven and baking and bring back the man of God. And y'all know it wasn't Jiffy. It just says cornbread. So, but bring back the man of God, a piece of the cake first and, and some water. And he ate it. And, and, and the Bible says that after he did that, the barrel of, the barrel of meal wastes not. And the, and the oil didn't run out. She said her, what she thought was the last thing that she would eat to die. You know, she sacrificed it and sowed the seed anyway. And what happened was that the Lord sustained her because they were in the middle of a drought. The Lord sustained her until that provision showed up. And what God is saying that you need to sow the seed because what you don't realize that in sowing the seed, you are agreeing with me. You're giving me the opportunity to provide for you until everything shows up. I will make sure that the cereal in your cabinet won't waste. I'll make sure that that bag of apples will keep stretched out. I, I will make sure that you have, but I need that seed. I need that seed because that seed gives me the ability now to multiply something. And so her and her son ate good for days. Every time she'll go back to that barrel, it had meal in it. Every time she'll go to that oil container, it had oil in it. And it didn't matter if it was full to the top. All that matters is that every time she went back, it was there until provision showed up. But some of us, as Tanya said, you're going to eat your cornbread and die. Don't eat your cornbread and die. Ask the Holy Spirit, what's my seed and sow that seed? And so here's our prayer. Father God, I choose not to be a common man. It is my right to be uncommon. I'll seek opportunity, not security. I do not wish, wish to be a kept citizen, but I am humble and by having the state, or I don't want the state to look after me, but I declare that the Lord looks after me. I am willing to take calculated risk of faith to dream and to build, to fail and to succeed. I understand that there's no failure in you, but I'll regroup and hear you better next time. I'll refuse to live from hand to mouth or from month to month or from week to week, but I declare that I have overflow in my finances. It is my heritage, heritage to stand erect, proud, and unafraid in Christ. I am God's chosen and I am God's elect. My purpose and my destiny in his life has been preordained by God. I am not here by chance or by accident, but I have been specifically engineered by God. I am on a mission. God knows about me. He has fashioned my life and, my, and orders my days. I understand that Jesus Christ is divine and I am a branch of the vine. I receive my life stream from the infinite source of Christ that flows from the rivers of living springs. I can never run dry because, because I am connected to the infinite source. 
Christ is me in me is the hope of glory, so my life shall bring glory to God. I summon the glory and the potential which God has deposited inside of me to awake in the mighty name of Jesus. I release myself from the shackles of limitations and failures. I declare that my life shall manifest its glory on time. My destiny shall not operate behind its divine schedule in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I will arise and I will shine and the world will see the manifestation of his glory in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's 922. I thank you so much for joining me for Refresh Bible Study. I pray that the word has brought a refreshing to your life. I pray that you hear God and you obey immediately. Uh, and I pray that your life will never be the same because of the word that you heard that it will grow into your life and bring great fruit. I declare provision for your life. I declare that you're safe and that you're whole and that your family is safe and your family's whole. Uh, as always, feel free to well join us online uh, for right now at Fellowship of Champions Church at 10 a.m. on Sunday. Uh, we'll be live via uh, Facebook Live, like I am now, 10 a.m. on Sundays at Fellowship of Champions page. Uh, if you so feel to sow into our ministry, feel free to do so, uh, or sow into your ministry. But find yourself giving, find yourself sowing into other people, because this is an opportunity to prosper and grow in the name of Jesus. So you can't ever have a harvest if you never sow a seed. I love each of you greatly. So thankful for your time. Remain grateful and stay hungry. Have a great evening. And I will post the, uh, somebody asked about the prayer. I'll post it in the comments uh, when I conclude the video. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.